Now, I, I'm absolutely been blessed um, to just spend some time and reflect on what God's been doing. And um, it's just been, uh, it wouldn't, you know, uh, just what Jesus has done in my life is just amazing. And it, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for a fellow believer um, that God put through, you know, on my path, um, who stepped out in a moment of one of my most difficult times in my life um, and just planted a seed and, and took the time to fellowship with me. Um, and that would start what I, what I really consider my um, a Romans 828 journey, um, a six-year journey that's really still has a long way to go, um, but it's amazing, uh, has been amazing. And so, you know, I want to give everybody some perspective kind of before I get into it. Um, at the beginning of this journey, I could barely find Romans 828 in my Bible. So that's kind of where things started. So don't tell Pastor Ron. Just that. <laughs> um, <laughs> So shortly after Nath was born, um, we were kind of just excitedly entering a new phase of our life as parents. Um, and uh, one doctor's visit turned into a medical test, and then we got the news. Um, I had discovered I needed to have open-heart surgery to repair an aortic aneurysm. Um, it was, uh, my initial response was a little bit of shock. I said, I thought those only happened on ER. <laughs> and then followed by... Um, does the doctor know I'm only 32? So it was a very difficult um, time for me to, to kind of get grasp around it. And after a short burst of adrenaline, it would turn into a two-month wait for surgery, and they told me to basically limit everything and anything normal that I was doing in my life um, and to take it easy and relax. Um, so as our life entered into a tailspin, um, it, it was Jesus who stepped in and carried us. He just demonstrated um, his provision in so many ways, and I, I, I couldn't tell them all to you because... We'd be here till seven, um, and but I could, you know, it was just amazing. Um, and in the end, he really remained strong when we could not, and he was that anchor, and it was awesome. Um, but as the dust began to settle, and we really got back onto what would be normal life, a, a quick recovery, and, and things were going great. I had this just this feeling that God had just parted the Red Sea for me. It was amazing. Followed by quickly learning that I just I only had made it out of Egypt, and over the next two years. Continued doctor's visits would um, diagnose a leaking aortic valve, um, progressively getting worse with each visit. And as we had the opportunity to find out we were welcoming my daughter Hannah into the world, our second child, I found out from my doctor that I needed to start preparing for a second surgery in the possibly not too distant future. Um, the difficult thing when the memories were so fresh in my mind, and I feel like I really had just kind of hit rock bottom at that point. Um, but when you hit the bottom, <laughs> And the rock you hit is Jesus. I mean, need I say more? Amen. Um, <laughs> I was in need of, of physical, emotional, and spiritual healing. And, and that low point, God would start that process with me. Um, in receiving my news, I crossed paths with fellow, fellow uh, friends at our church who were going through a similar medical situation. And God just pulled my focus off my own situation and just, just filled me with compassion for these people. I, I don't know how to explain it, but um, all I can say is Mike doesn't cry, and he might have then. Um, but immediately, I, just, I reached out to these people. I couldn't stop myself and just had this, this urge of compassion. And I was blessed with the opportunity to walk in fellowship and watch God provide for them as he brought them through that, that difficult time. It was just an amazing kind of Luke 638, given it will be given lesson for me. Um, and God used this to really change my direction in my life. It was this moment um, 
And what he did was he showed me a true example of faith in action. Um, through this couple, uh, fellowshipping with them, he showed me what Paul really meant when he said, be anxious for nothing, but in everything, in prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Once I saw that kind of faith in action, I said, God, I want it. <laughs> How do I experience that calm in the midst of my storm? Um, and he would begin me on a path to show me how he planned to deliver on that request. So praise God, everyone. It's been three and a half years since that encounter. Three and a half years since the doctors told me I needed a second surgery. <laughs> I'm still waiting for that second surgery. It hasn't happened yet. And by God's grace, my three and six month doctor's appointments are being extended now to only annual visits. So... In our weakness, his strength shines. Um, but the greatest miracle God performed was revealing to me that relationship is what I needed and what I was really asking for. James 4.8, grow near to God and he will grow near to you. He gave me some basic steps to cultivate this relationship. Um, he, uh, he had my wife and I, we joined a small group, we stepped out in faith. Um, the Lord then encouraged me and said, it's time to get baptized. So um, I know nothing groundbreaking here, but just, you know, stuff that it's amazing, you know, little steps and the fruit that they bear. Uh, most recently, um, I've had the phenomenal opportunity to join the Faith Living Church Men's Life Group this past year. And a special thank you to my brothers out there. Um, that fellowship has just been instrumental in my spiritual growth. Um, as my relationship and obedience with Christ has grown, um, and I began to put my full faith in him, uh, that fear and anxiety and stresses that I was feeling, um, they'd start to melt away. Um, as I focused on Jesus, his victory and authority and not the circumstances that were swirling around me, his blessings would flow. I watched God begin to transform me so that he could start working through me. Um, having me fellowship with others who had similar experiences as me. Right? The God of all comfort who comforts us so we could comfort others. Um, I have experienced a love and thirst for God's word that has absolutely never been before present in my life. Uh, and it's encouraged me to share my faith with others. Every day, God is showing me that if I can put my faith in him for eternal salvation, then I can do that each and every day for the rest of my time here that I'm in this world. Um, I'm not perfect yet, obviously. There's a lot of lessons I still need to learn, but these lessons I didn't learn overnight. The lessons that I'm continuing to learn each and every day. Um, and things to apply for all aspects of my life. And I can, I can testify, there is power in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, it was a difficult journey, guys, uh, but I am forever thankful for the fruit that it bore, the opportunity for him to work through me in the future. Um, and my prayer for everyone here today um, is that we would all just experience a deep relationship with God and we would also experience just a deep relationship with the body of Christ. It's just, it's phenomenal to watch and look everybody here together as whole, as one church family. Um, you know, I can witness that we absolutely need those relationships. And I pray that we would all experience those blessings and those breakthroughs that come when God uses his people to build each other up. Amen. God bless. And thank you all for your time. Well, uh, we've been talking at Faith of Your Church for the last, uh, <clears throat> this is the fourth week, about the fight. Have y'all recognized you're still in a fight? Oh, yeah. Fight still goes on. Well, let me read something to you. 
sunrise was dawning when Los Angeles motorcycle police officer Bob Vernon saw a red pickup truck speed through a stop sign. This guy must be late for work, he thought to himself. And he turned on his emergency lights and he radioed that he was in pursuit. The pickup truck rolled over and the officer approached. Meanwhile in the truck, the driver thought, the cops, they already know. He was scared. He rested his hand on the same gun that he had just used a few moments earlier to rob a convenience store. The sack of stolen money was beside him on the seat. The officer said, good morning, sir. May I see your boom? And the gun went off. He never finished his sentence. The driver shoved his gun toward the policeman's chest, fired from just inches away. The cop was not flat, seven feet away. A few seconds later, the shock of the criminal as the officer stood up, pulled his revolver and fired twice. First bullet went through the open window and smashed the windshield. The second tore through the door and ripped into the driver's left leg. Don't shoot, don't shoot, the thief screamed, throwing the gun and the sack of money out the window of the pickup truck. What saved the policeman's life was dozens of layers of Kevlar and the super strong fabric used for bulletproof vests. Only three-eighths of an inch thick Kevlar can stop bullets cold. Now think about that for just a moment. It stopped a bullet. He stood his ground. He got back up. He was in a fight. And as I'm thinking about this, you know, how does this relate to us? We've been talking about three weeks about the fight. We've been talking about the armor of God, you know. And listen to what it says in Ephesians 6.10. It says, Be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm. Hold your ground against all the strategies of the devil. And he's always trying to pull us down, isn't he? Always trying to pull us down. But wearing that body armor, it made a difference for that police officer, did it not? And as you and I learn how to use the armor of God, and it tells us all about it in this wonderful book, when, he, when, he, when we apply it, it changes. It's a game changer for our life. It genuinely is. Listen to what it says here uh, in Psalms 115, verse 9. It says, O Israel, trust the Lord. He is your helper. He is your shield. He is your shield. So much your armor. O priest of Aaron, trust the Lord. He is your helper. He is your shield. Verse 11, all you who fear the Lord, trust the Lord. He is your helper. He is your shield. Psalms 33, verse 20, it says, We depend on the Lord alone to save us. Only he can help us, protecting us like a shield. The good Lord does protect. He does pr provide. He genuinely does. And he has offered his armor, and he tells us to put on the whole armor. And as we see an officer who put on, you know, that bulletproof vest, it saved his life. And as you and I put on the armor of God, it saves us. And it changes our lives forever. It genuinely does. First Timothy 1.12, it says, fight the good fight of faith. And that's what we want to do. And I want to talk about a piece of the armor sometimes we don't think about. And so I want to go over to Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 1, and it says, Sometime later, the Moabites and Ammonites accompanied the Meunites. Me and they joined forces to make war on Jehoshaphat. 
Jehoshaphat was a king here, and he received the intelligence report. A huge force is on its way from beyond the Dead Sea to fight you. Tens of thousands and thousands of enemy. There's no time to waste. They're already at Hazazan, Tamar, the oasis of Injeri. Shaken Jehoshaphat, he prayed, and he went to God for help, and he ordered a nationwide fast. And the country of Judah united in seeking God's help. They came from all the cities of Judah to pray to God. And then Jehoshaphat, he took a position before the assembled people of Judah and Jerusalem at the temple of God in front of the new courtyard. And he said, O God, God of our ancestors, are you not God in heaven, above and ruler of all kingdoms below? You hold all power and might in your fist. No one stands a chance against you. And didn't you make the natives of this land leave as you brought your people Israel into this land, turning it over permanently to your people, the descendants of Abraham, your friend? Now, they have lived here and built a holy house of worship to honor you, saying, when the worst happens, whether war or flood or disease or famine, and we take our place before this temple, we know you are personally present in this place. And I want you to know that God is ever present with you. He genuinely is. It tells us in Psalms 22, verse 3, it says, You are holy enthroned on the praises of Israel. Another translation says that God inhabits the praises of his people. You ever praise God? Yes. Is it easier to give praise or complain? Today it's pretty easy to praise. But if it was raining, you know, we might be complaining a little bit. What do you think, you know? See, God, he lives in praise. He inhabits praise. When you and I begin to praise him, even in the midst of difficulty, God shows up on the scene. And he tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, 19, he says, don't you know your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? He wants to live in you. And he shows up when we praise him. And, and not that we have time to read through Revelation chapter 4 right now, but it tells us that praise is the act. Exactly. <laughs> that praise is the... It's the atmosphere of the throne room of heaven. Maybe I should move this down. Don, are you playing with this? You know, I bet I could get a couple ushers to throw you in the lake right now. <laughs> okay, don't time it. I'll forgive you. <laughs> it's great to be out here together, isn't it? To worship God, to laugh together. It really is. Let me read you... Uh, the 100th Psalm out of the Message Bible. It says, On your feet now, applaud God! Exclamation mark. Did you hear what it said? Yeah. On your feet now and applaud God. So why don't we do that? I like that. That's awesome. Woo! You guys get carried away. Awesome that you get carried away. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. But it says that in the Message Bible, on your feet now, applaud God. Bring a gift of laughter. You know, God is not happy if we're just walk, going around with a sad face and all gloomy all the time. 
it tells us in his word that a merry heart does good like a medicine. It genuinely does. And he goes on to say here, bring a gift of laughter and sing yourselves into his presence. You mean when we're singing and praising God, we enter into his presence? Absolutely. And it says, no, this, God is God. He made us. We didn't make him. We're his people, his well-tended sheep. He takes good care of us. Enter with the password. Thank you. Did you know that's a password? We know about passwords and phones and computers, right? You don't know how many passwords I have forgotten, okay? Uh -huh. You don't know. But I can remember that when it talks about enter with the password, enter into God's presence with this password of thank you. It's praise and gratitude that takes us into his presence. I'm going to tell you, praise is part of the armor of God. Complaint just makes your armor drop to the ground. It genuinely does. So it says, enter with the password, thank you, make yourselves at home, talking praise, thank him, worship him. For God is sheer beauty, all generous in love, loyal always and ever and ever. See, during praise, we take our eyes off of ourselves. We take our eyes off of our problems and we put our eyes upon him who can change everything. The Almighty God, as we begin to praise and we get our focus on Him, He changes things for the better. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but praise is evidence of faith. When you begin to praise God, it's the evidence that you believe He's there and you believe He helps you and can help you and will help you. Genuinely, He does. In Psalms 149, it says, Praise the Lord. Sing to the Lord a new song. You all ever sing? At home, you sing? Awesome. Sing his praise in the assembly of the faithful. For the Lord delights in his people and he crowns the humble with victory. Now see, only humble people will praise him. Did you know that? It takes humility to praise somebody who you can't see in the midst of a storm. It takes humility to praise God when you don't have enough money to pay your bill. And I'm telling you, it takes faith. And it takes humility to praise God during the difficult times of our life. But as we praise him and get our eyes off of ourselves and off of problems and circumstances, it changes things forever. It is part of our armor. And I am telling you, it will change your life. There are like seven different words I was looking up that have to do with praise in the, uh, the Hebrew. And let me just give you the gist of all of those definitions put together. The word praise means to revere, to worship with open hands, with lifted hands. Praise means to boast, to rave. You know what rave is? To just go on and on and on and on about somebody. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> the word praise means to shine, to celebrate, to be clamorously foolish. It means to dance. You know, now you, imagine all you older young guys, you know. You know, do we dance before Almighty God? Do we shout? Do we sing? Think about it for a moment. The word praise means to be clamorously foolish, to dance, to make music, to kneel, to give thanks. Spontaneous song, it means to address in a loud tone, to shout, to commend. But now that's the exact same thing we do at a football game. You know, we're clamorously foolish. You ever see guys jump up and holler and throw popcorn and you know, all kind of craziness about a ball game, you know? 
They're praising their team. And, and when the Bible tells us to praise, just saying praise the Lord is not praise at all, is it? No, it's not. He's telling us what to do. It says here, and we can see this as it opens up in uh, Psalms 40 verse 2, it says, He brought me out of the horrible pit and out of the miry clay. He set my feet upon a rock and established my goings. And he has put a new song in my mouth, even praise to our God. And many shall see what he's done, and they'll fear, and they'll put their trust in him. Praising him is to declare his deeds among the people. And that changes things in our life. It changes. We tap into the supernatural, not just operating in natural anymore. Psalms 34 verse 1 says, I will praise the Lord at all times. All times? But do you always feel like praising him? No. Jehoshaphat had armies, tens of thousands of trained warriors who were coming to destroy him and his people. He didn't really feel like praising God. Paul and Silas in prison didn't really feel like praising God, but when they did, it changed things. It was a game changer. They accessed the supernatural. See, it's natural to gripe and fuss and moan and groan and bellyache, but it's supernatural to praise God when you don't feel like it. And he tells us that. You know, I'll praise the Lord at all times, when I feel like it and when I don't feel like it, when it's a sacrifice. You know the Bible talks about to offer the sacrifice of praise? You don't really feel like it, but you access the supernatural when you begin to do this. Anyhow, he says, come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. You know, I mean, y'all been doing it already this morning, but there's other songs like... Uh, then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee. How says, I will praise the Lord at all times, and I will constantly speak his praise. I will boast only in the Lord. Let all who are helpless take heart. Come, let us tell of the Lord's greatness. Let us exalt his name together. And that's what he wants us to do. He genuinely does. Now let me ask you, is it important about what you wear? It's not? Well, if you were going scuba diving, you should be wearing something different than what you're wearing now. And if you were going to go and help put out a fire, you would want to wear something different than you're wearing now. If you were going to play a major league football game amongst major league players, you would want to wear something different than you're wearing now. You get my point? If it was zero degrees and we were going to take a hike, you would wear something different. You'd wear layers and parkas and, and different socks and boots and, and uh, gloves and, and hats. It does matter what we wear 
and or otherwise we would be unprepared. I didn't see anybody come here with a great big thick wool jacket on this morning, you know. So it matters what we wear. And let me read you a verse, and hopefully we put this in perspective. In Isaiah 61, verse 3, it says, Give unto them beauty for ashes, and the oil of joy for, for mourning, and the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. You, you, what happens if you got a spirit of heaviness? It's always pulling you which direction? Down. And the Bible tells us to put on the garment. And maybe we're not prepared. We don't have this garment of praise on. It says for the spirit of heaviness. You know, Niagara Falls is always pulling things down. Have you ever noticed that? It's a 180-foot drop, Niagara Falls. And way up the river before the falls, uh, there's a little footbridge. And, and, and below that, there's these terrible uh, rapids and just unbelievable currents and all. And on this little footbridge is a sign, and it says, Do you have an anchor? Because they allow people to boat up there. It says, Do you have an anchor? And then it has another question. Do you know how to use it? I personally have thrown an anchor overboard along with a rope that was never tied to the boat. <laughs> Do you have the armor of God? Do you know how to use it? Do you have the garment of praise? Do you know how to use it? Because it changes situations. Otherwise, there's great despair. Tr tragedy when we don't know what we're doing. And, and if we're not dressed properly in, in Arctic conditions, you can die of hyperthermia, exposure. And see, in this world in which we live now, the Bible tells us to put on the garment of praise for that spirit like the waterfall that's just pulling us down. Put on the garments of praise. And praise, and it changes everything. Genuinely, it does. Well, let me go on back over here to Second Chronicles. And it says, And now it happened... Men from Ammon and, and Moab and Mount Seir have shown up. You didn't let Israel touch them when we first got here. And now uh, we de detoured around them and, and, and we didn't lay hands on them. But now they've come to kick us out of this land and out of the country you gave us. Oh, dear God, won't you take care of them? We're helpless before this vandal horde of barbarians ready to attack us. We don't know what to do. Here's Jehoshaphat and all of his guys. We don't know what to do. We're looking to you. Everyone in Judah was there, little children, just like here. Wives, sons, all present and attentive. And then Jehaziel was moved by the Spirit of God to speak from the midst of the congregation. And the son of Matthiah and Levites and Asaph clan, and he said, Attention, everyone! All of you from out of town, all of you from Jerusalem, you also King Jehoshaphat, God's word says, don't be afraid. Don't pay any mind to, these, to this vandal horde of barbarians. This is God's war, not yours. Now, if you were in a battle and God sent an angel to tell you something like that, would it make a difference? Hey, don't worry about it. God's got this. He got this, you know. He's going to take care of you. Tomorrow you'll go after them. See, they're already on their way up the 
slopes of Ziz. And God was revealing their secret plans and all. And you'll meet them at the end of the ravine near the wilderness of Jeruel. And you won't have to lift a hand in this battle. Just stand firm in Judah and Jerusalem and, and watch God's sayings, saving work for you. And, and it'll take shape. And don't be afraid. And don't waver. Just march out boldly tomorrow. And God is with you. And then Jehoshaphat, he knelt down, bowing with his face to the ground. All Judah and Jerusalem did the same, worshiping God. The Levites, they stood to their feet and they praised God, the God of Israel. And they praised at the top of their lungs. Wait a minute. They have hundreds of thousands of warriors coming to destroy them. And it says, and they praised God at the top of their lungs. Well, let me read you that little verse we talked about a while ago. And you know what? Because I don't have a clock hanging on one of them trees back there, like we do have one hanging on a, in the church building there. I just got to make sure what time it is. Okay. I got two more hours, so uh, just teasing, okay? Just teasing. But it says here, Hebrews thirteen fifteen, let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise to God. It's the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. Offer the sacrifice of praise. You don't feel like praising God. You feel like complaining. You feel like griping. You feel like moaning and groaning. That's natural. But when you praise God in the times that you don't feel like it, you're operating in the supernatural, and supernatural things can happen at that point in time. Genuinely can. So let us learn to praise our way into the victory. We see it throughout the Bible. We see Paul and Silas in a prison after being beaten and they praise God and they experience victory for themselves and all the prisoners there because they praise God instead of complaining and moaning and groaning and belly. I can tell you this, complaining never helps anything except it helps it get worse, genuinely, you know. So when things aren't going your way, you know, your enemies are drawing near, don't complain, but praise him. It's a sacrifice he tells us. Anyhow, verse 20 says, They were up early in the morning, <clears throat> ready to march into the wilderness of Tekoa. And as they, as they were leaving, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Listen, Judah and Jerusalem. Listen to what I have to say. Believe firmly in God. Believe firmly in God. Your God and your lives will be firm. You will stand your ground. That's what he's telling them there. You know, the scripture says us to put on every piece of the armor of God that we'll be able to stand. And part of that armor is to praise him. That's the garment of praise. That goes on before all the other. As we praise him, it changes things in our life. It genuinely does. He goes on to say, believe in your prophets. We read about them here. And you'll come out on top. Now, would you rather come out on top after a war or a fight, or would you rather come out on the bottom? I kind of like the idea of being on the top. But he says, believe in your prophets, and you'll come out on top. And after talking it over with the people, Jehoshaphat appointed a choir for God, dressed in holy robes, and they were to march ahead of the troops, singing, giving thanks to God. Now, think about it, you know. On a battlefield where you've got warriors They've got armor and, and all the weapons that they need. Would you ever in a million years think about sending a choir out in front of them? Honestly. And that's what God did. That ain't natural, you see. That ain't natural. And he sent a choir out in front of all the warriors 
tens of thousands of warriors were coming against them to fight. And they had some warriors of their own. But then Jehoshaphat sent the choir, the people out in the front who had the instruments and the awesome voices, and they praised God. That's what they did. You read it yourself. It's just absolutely amazing. They praised God, giving thanks to him. His love never quits. Hmm. It says in Psalms 28, it says, The Lord is my strength and my shield from every danger. I trust him in all my, with all my heart, and he helps me, and my heart is filled with joy. And I burst out in songs of thanksgiving. Have you ever bursted out with songs of thanksgiving? That's the armor. That's putting on the garment of praise where you burst out. He goes on to say, 1 Thessalonians 5.18, when everything is really good and peachy, then thank God. No! It says in everything, good and bad. When things are going your way or not going your way. When your enemy is coming against you and when he's not coming against you. In everything, give thanks to the Lord, for this is the will of God. And Christ Jesus concerning you. Verse 28 says, the Lord protects his people and he gives victory to his anointed king. In this case, it was Jehoshaphat. So let me just finish up what happened with Jehoshaphat. As soon as they started shouting and praising, God set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and Mount Seir. That was the bad guys. He set ambushes against them as they were attacking Judah, and they all ended up dead. The Ammonites and the Moabites mistakenly attacked those from Mount Seir, and they massacred them. Mistakenly, they killed their own warriors. I don't think it was really so much a mistake. I think God kind of directed that because they were evil. They were bullies. And God stopped it because his people were over there praising him. And it says, then further confused, they went at each other and they ended up killed. As Judah came up over the rise looking into the wilderness for the horde of barbarians, they looked on the killing fields of dead bodies and not a living soul among them. All their enemies were no more. All of them, tens of thousands of thousands of enemies. And Jehoshaphat, his people, never lifted a sword, never shot an arrow, not one. But the bad guys got confused and wiped each other out as God's people were praising. Now, I wonder if that would apply today. Anybody interested in finding out? Well, we have seen it happen over and over and over when we become focused on the almighty God and not on the problem, we become focused on the living God, things change. Anyhow, we'll wrap this up here in, in uh, verse 22. It says, as soon as they started shouting and praising God, God set the ambush month. Then it says in verse 24, and as Judah came up over the, the rise looking into the wilderness, the horde of barbarians, they looked on the killing fields and all the bodies were dead. And then it says, when Jehoshaphat and his people came to carry off the plunder, they found more loot than they could carry off. Equipment and clothing and valuables, they were enriched. It took them three days to carry it away. And on the fourth day, they came together to a valley of blessing. They named that valley the valley of blessing that day, the Bible tells us. Verse 27, Jehoshaphat then led all the men of Judah and Jerusalem back to Jerusalem an exuberant parade. 
excited and enthusiastic, high-spirited, lively parade led them back to this exuberant parade, and God had given them joyful relief from their enemies. Could you use a little joyful relief from problems in your life? They entered Jerusalem and they came to the temple of God and all the instruments of the band playing. And when the surrounding kingdoms got word that God had fought Israel's enemies, the fear of God descended on them and Jehoshaphat heard no more from them. And as long as Jehoshaphat reigned, peace reigned. They praised their way to victory. Now, whatever problem you're dealing with right now, today, Maybe it would be a flood. Maybe it's finances or health or whatever else. I am telling you, whatever you do, do what you got to do. But let me tell you, operate in the supernatural and praise your way to victory. Praise, even if it's a sacrifice. Begin to praise God. Declare his deeds, as Mike did a little bit ago. He declared what God had done in his life and is doing right now in his life. And, and it changes things. It says here, what can we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Since God did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, won't God, who gave us Christ, also give us everything? And then the final verse, and then we're going to uh, sing. So if we could have a musician, and I'll come up. But it says here in Romans 8, verse 37, it says, No, despite all these things, talking about all the problems you could possibly have, the discouragements and all. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Who Christ who loved us. And I will promise you this, if we will begin to praise God even when we don't feel like it, even when that cop didn't feel like putting that uh, body armor on because it was a hot sunny day, but he did it anyway, it stopped the bullet, and he gained victory. Not only did he live, and he caught the bad guy and stopped him from hurting somebody else. And if you and I will apply the things that we're learning out of God's word, it's part of the weaponry, it's part of the armor to praise him, even when you don't feel like it. It ain't, it ain't natural to do it then. That's when it's most important. So let's sing along uh, with our, our worship team here.
bow our heads together if we could. And I want you to think about your own life right now. I want you to think about the battles you're dealing with. We just got through singing, I will bring praise. No weapon formed against me shall prevail. It will not remain. Like Jehoshaphat, outnumbered and outgunned, and he and his people begin to praise God. And the enemies, the bad circumstances, it changed because God showed up on the scene. And if we'll change our mindset and determine I'm not going to complain and gripe and bellyache anymore, but I'm going to begin to praise God in the most difficult of times, and I'm going to bring praise. No weapon formed against us shall remain or prevail. Father, I ask you to minister to my brothers and my sisters as we gather here out in these woods this day. And I ask that faith would rise up in each one. You see the battle that we're all in today. You know, whether anybody else knows, Lord, you know the battle. We're learning about your armor. Help us to put it on. Help us to apply what we're learning. And help us, Almighty God, from this day forward to truly become known as positive praisers who got their eyes on you, you who can change things. As our heads are bowed, I would ask you to reaffirm your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And maybe you're here today and you've never welcomed Christ into your life. Let's make that decision and let's change today. Would you pray with me right now? Would you join me as we pray? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me. That's why you sent your son Jesus. I believe he paid for all of my sins. And I am forgiven. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And that he's knocking at the door of my heart. And I open wide that door. And I welcome Jesus inside. As my Savior. As my Lord. As my provider. As my healer as my peace, as my everything. I receive you, Jesus, into my life. Help me change, O oh Lord. Help me become a praiser and never again to be a complainer. I ask in the name of your Son, Jesus. Amen.